Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to spend a little bit of time asking this question. Are you a true convert or are you a false deceived convert? This is an important question to ask and we'll get into it in just a moment. Thanks for making it on back here to another Our Walk in Christ daily walk. And if you want to help support the channel, have a look at ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support. You can follow along on a variety of social media platforms. We do these videos as uh, videos on YouTube and a bit shoot as podcasts. Most places you'll find podcasts. Just look for Our Walk in Christ. Head on over to the website and you'll get the links to those. And there's also several social media sites you can jump on to. We have uh, Twitter and Minds and, and Gab, a few other ones there as well. So let's go ahead and talk about this. And the reason I wanted to get into this discussion is a little bit more of a deep dive on one of the things we're doing on the Thursday live streams right now. We're going through 2 Peter. And the entire book of 2 Peter is about false teachers and false prophets. And when we get into the discussion of false teachers and false prophets, one of the things that you find is that some of these false teachers, they think that they are saved they don't realize what they're doing is wrong. They think that they are saved. They push out their teaching as if something good and new and novel, and it leads people astray. They didn't necessarily mean to. Now, there's other people, though, who know what they are doing is false. Now, where Second Peter and Jude is talking about, usually the people they're talking about there are the ones that they're charlatans. They know what they're saying is false. They realize they're leading people astray, but they're doing it for money. I'll go back again to look at the, uh, the movie. Um, it's called The Book of Eli, I believe. And uh, in that film, the main villain is searching through the uh, post-apocalyptic world looking for a copy of the Bible because he was raised by a over-religious zealot mother who watched all these televangelists and saw all of these people who were controlled by this televangelist and he saw this Bible as the thing that they used. It was the source of their power. He was looking to use this to control the people. And that is oftentimes what we find with apostates. They realize what they're doing is wrong and they turn away. But that aside, I want to speak to you guys to ask yourselves, are you truly following the right faith? Because looking through... Matthew 7, we have a lot of interesting things. Now, of course, it starts out, do not judge lest you be judged. And people say, hey, see, you can't, you can't judge anybody. Well, that's actually not what he's talking about. The entirety, uh, the entirety of the chapter is actually about judges and judgments. But he has some interesting things in here. Um, one thing that he will say in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. What we're talking about here and looking at is when you have a whole large church, a massive church, huge amounts of people, that's not a whole lot of saved saints. 
That was the purpose of the parable. We did the parable series recently. The purpose of the parable where the man, the farmer, sows good seed and then the enemy comes in and throws bad seed among the soil. And it's the wheat is being raised up with the tares and the people say, hey, didn't we plant good seed? What's this bad seed doing in here? He says, well, my enemy has done this. They'll say, should we go in there and just pull it up? He says, no, you'll uproot the good with the bad. Let them grow side by side and at the harvest we'll separate them. The purpose that he was making is, and this isn't the whole world, this is an illustration for the church, that a lot of people in the church are not truly, genuinely saved people. At the end times, we will see the genuinely saved people. There are few who find the narrow way. And it's not just the few of the world who go into a church. It's the few people who go into a church who find the way. That's something to keep in mind. And if you are not yet terrified, consider what he says in verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father will enter. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. These were people who attended church. These were people who went to the prayer groups. They went on short-term missions. They did all sorts of wonderful works for God. And he says, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. False teachers, false converts, deceived people. These are people that they think they're doing what is right and what they are doing is wrong. What is the distinction? That's an important point to keep in mind. Well, in the distinction, he goes in in the very next verses, uh, verses 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. When the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So the, the first verse there is the principle. He who hears these words and does it. It's the same thing that James says. Who looks at the, looks at the, the perfect law and abides by it, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This is the man who is saved. What does this boil down to? Well, some people and some modern preachers just say, forget about all the theology stuff. It's just all about love. Just love. Just do good deeds. The social gospel, as it were. The social gospel is about as wonderful to God is the social justice gospel. It's not particularly biblically sound, okay? Because love carries with it correction. Love carries with it. Look at the all, like read through, pick any one of the New Testament epistles and they all deal with errors. They all deal with errors in doctrine. They all deal with people who are teaching wrong things, thinking bad thoughts in the name of love. So we have to carry with it two factors, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Okay, orthodoxy means right 
thinking. Orthopraxy means right living. Now, there are some church groups who fall too far on the side of what is called orthodoxy, the right thinking. They have all their theology perfect. They are dry churches. They do no service to mankind. They have all of the teaching right, but they do not practice a single bit of it. This is the person who looks at the perfect law and knows it, but they never act on it. All right? But then we have on the other side a whole lot of churches and pastors and programs and missions which do not care anything about right doctrine. Their entire idea is an existential feeling towards loving people, whatever that happens to mean to them. This opens the door for things like sins like homosexuality, sins like adultery, sins like fornication, because I love them anyway. And we come on into the church, and it's just whatever you subjectively feel is the right thing to do, you do, right? It's an aberration of the golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Well, I would really like it if somebody would give me free food. So, you know, <sighs> I actually heard somebody use that once to try and get a restaurant to give her free extra cheese. It was quite comical goes in there and says, oh, throw some extra cheese. The guy says, yeah, okay, well, we need to charge an extra 50 cents for extra cheese. Well, Jesus would give me free cheese, she says. I'm sorry, what Bible are you reading? You're just asking this employee to steal from his employer. <laughs> that's not exactly biblically sound. And so that's the type of thing we're talking about. Orthodoxy must lead to orthopraxy. We can't have right actions, that's orthopraxy, right actions, until we understand what orthodoxy is. But if we get stuck in our orthodoxy and we never do good deeds, we're stuck. This is why it says in James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father says to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That is what is important. That is what it is. So we have unstained by the world, which is sanctified. We have visit orphans and widows, which is doing work. We need to know the word to be sanctified and do the work so that we practice our faith. Faith is not just a matter of thought. It is also a matter of action. It is not a matter of action without a matter of thought. Without sound orthodoxy, you cannot have sound orthopraxy. That is our task in the church. That's how you can know that you are on the narrow way, that you are casting off the sins of the world because you know what the Bible says are the sins of the world, and you have cast them off, and you are instead following God. That's what I wanted to leave you with. Today. So thanks for coming along, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support, or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is OurWalkInChrist.com.